Welcome back to the HPS Cast. I'm your host, Colbert Cannon. This week marks the end of our third season. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the exceptional careers and key takeaways from our guests this run. The HPS Cast team is already lining up some great conversations for our next season. But in the meantime, though, I encourage you to check out all of the wonderful best ideas we share. There are so many TV programs, movies, books, and more listed in our show notes. So take advantage of this brief hiatus to give them a try and rest assured that we'll return with more. So now let's take a look back at the highlights from our conversations with some remarkable guests from season three. We opened the season hearing how Richard Fisher received news for an event he had predicted from an unlikely character, and that news would change the course of his career. And on Black Monday, the night before, I had had dinner with Margaret Thatcher, the Prime Minister of England, whose son was a friend of mine here in Dallas. Uh, when I walked into the room, she said, Mark told me you were short, or you wanted to be short, but you don't look short to me. And I said, Prime Minister, that he means in financial terms, I believe we're going to have a horrible market correction at some point. An aide comes in. She has to leave the table to take a call. She comes back and sits down and said, uh, Mr. Fisher, what you have been worried about just started in Hong Kong. The next day, a half a billion dollars came over the transfer. So that put Fisher Capital on the map. We took a trip to Hollywood and learned from a world-class executive in show business, Megan Colligan, on how she used her remarkable abilities at marketing to turn paranormal activities into the juggernaut franchise it is today. And it made the whole concept around the rollout of the movie dictated by the fans completely. And that had never been done before that we just followed the lead of the fans and went where they told us to go. But we changed the game, which I think doesn't quite happen enough in movies where you don't make it available 27 times in a day. You make it available once or you then make it available three times. You drive sellouts, you create FOMO. And then you build from there. As somebody who watched that for the first time with you late at night, I found it absolutely terrifying. And there's a way that you do this, which is if you see that movie at two o'clock in the afternoon, like it doesn't hit in the same way. Like it just doesn't. It doesn't. Dick Parsons, senior advisor at Providence Equity, passed down advice he was given on what it takes to be a great CEO. And, you, you know, you, you have to grow up pretty quickly, I think, to be an effective CEO, because Someone once told me, you know, a good executive is someone who can make decisions in the absence of perfect information. You know, you never have enough information. You can always ask another question. But when you're running an organization, you don't have that luxury. We were reminded of what the American promise can be with one of the hosts of Men and Blazers, Englishman Roger Bennett. Yeah, so, you know, we always dreamt of America in my family when things didn't go well. My grandfather, oh, we should have been there. We should have been there. We should be living in Chicago. My grandpa was a butcher. He always wanted to live in the hog capital of the world, Chicago. Said he's living in Liverpool. And so we dreamt, you know, this magical place, America, felt like it was in our DNA. Chief Executive Officer of a leading UK specialist insurer, Tracy Blackwell, told us what the future of corporations should look like internationally. I think corporations need to become more female. So to really get the most diverse workforce, and not just in terms of gender, but in terms of how people think, which is what's really important is diversity of thought, is you need companies to become much more 
female in nature. And what I mean is, you know, more intuitive, more understanding, more inclusive. And I think we'll just have better companies overall if that's the case. And I think it's interesting in how you said that. I always think about, you know, diversity and equity and inclusion, things that, you know, corporations are taking much more seriously, wonderfully now than they have in the past. Those are really important goals. They also are the right answer for how to run a business. You know, diversity of opinion is how, like, I want a lot of people in the room who disagree that we can hammer out an idea together and get to the right conclusion. And on that track, HPS's senior advisor, Will Mestag, explained what HPS is doing to improve its efforts in equity inclusion for minority groups. What we're trying to do at Equity Alliance is try to level the playing field as it relates to access to capital. There's a lot of empirical evidence that would indicate that equal opportunity will generate equal returns. And so the question is, how do you create that opportunity? So much of the world in which we live, especially in this country, is grounded by institutional traditions, institutionalized networks. And there's nothing, nobody is actively doing anything wrong, but they are sustaining existing conditions, which by and large favor the uh, white population and disfavor um, people of color. And uh, I would say less so recently, but historically women. And so the Equity Alliance has a particular window into that and says one of those institutions is access to capital. And if we can open up access to capital to women and people of color in a way that will give uh, those people the same opportunity that in the ordinary course a white male might have, we can reasonably expect that if we apply the same kind of standards and rigor um, that we're going to get similar if not better returns. The dean of Howard University's business school, Anthony Wilbon, spent decades in the corporate world before choosing to become an educator. He shared why it's important to apply practice to theory. I brought a lot to the classroom that students could relate to, that I could actually share with them as they made their transition into the corporate space. I thought it was incredibly important to be able to combine the theory with practice. And I actually think that's important even to this day. I try to advise all of our faculty to get experiences outside of the theory in the classroom. And we're trying to figure out ways, for example, for them to do externships or work as consultants, because it's important to be able to take what you're teaching and demonstrate it to the students as to what they might see when they go out into the corporate world. Leading tech venture investor John Kim told us how he overcame the challenges of integrating not just businesses, but integrating people when doing mergers and acquisitions. I think the lessons learned for me was less about the hard aspects, meaning the hard science, the analytical aspects of an M&A, but the softer issues that's required to be successful. How do you communicate to the combined entity when they both came together was about over 4,000? How do you communicate to a large group of associates and employees of that size? How do you bring two very different cultures together and create one culture? That part of the integration is something that, again, is seems easy, but it's actually a lot harder than uh, one could read in a, an article or a textbook. Kim Zumakis is the CEO of Reyes Radiology. Before she became a leader there, she had to overcome many challenges at 21st Century Oncology, taking it successfully through a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. 
it was truly one fire after another from OIG investigations to a HIPAA data breach to ultimately those things affecting the audit, which then affected the ability to really come out of it. So we had to do a reset. You know, culture had changed. All of the infrastructure had been fixed, but it was just, it was a little too late. So the key for me was uh, strategically thinking through step by step, how do we check these off one at a time? How do we make sure that all of our partners understand that this is not who we are? It's not who we're going to be in the future and that we can still be a good partner. Frankly, our hospital partnerships was the hardest part. And then how do you make sure that the patients know that this is not a clinic issue, not a care issue? We had virtually no care or clinic issues. And so that just became a really important part as well. But I think going back to the legal background, that's how you analyze things as a lawyer. You, you kind of go through and you check the box and you step through, you know, what's the implication of each decision you're going to make and who are the parties that are going to get affected by that. Lastly, we ended the season speaking with Darren Alkis, the president of corporate banking at Capital One. We heard about Capital One's unique culture that makes it stand out from other financial institutions. Capital One is much more about, let's make sure that we're doing the right thing. Let's make sure that we're only pursuing markets that make sense. Let's not chase you know, bad business uh, to try to hit financial results. Let's make the long-term investments, even if it if it digs a, a bit of a hole in our current performance. You know, Capital One is the only financial institution on the planet that I know of that is almost 100% cloud-based today. That was a six to eight-year journey of investment that no other institution of our kind has, has even taken the second step. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, longtime listeners have heard me say this before, but the legendary chairman of Goldman Sachs, Gus Levy, has that great line where he said, it's okay to be greedy, but you've got to be long-term greedy. And I've always thought that that's your guys' attitude. You're going to do this right, but over the long term. A big thank you to each of our guests who so graciously shared the high and low moments of their stellar careers, which in turn left us with advice that can be applied across businesses and life in general. And a big thank you to you, all of our listeners, for joining in on the journey. We'll be back with all new episodes this fall to close out 2021.